And then, you know, people are like, well, an NFT is just a digital picture. I can take a picture of that or I can copy Sandy, your profile picture. And then I have that as well. Well, you could do the same thing like in a gallery, right? You could go to the Louvre and take a picture of it, but you don't own it. You have a picture of it and you can enjoy it. So owning art is not about keeping others from enjoying it. It's about proof of ownership. Data, artificial intelligence, the metaverse, crypto and Web3, and quantum computing are just a few of the technology innovations that are changing the way we live, work, and experience the universe. I am your host, Ganesh Padmanabhan, and this is Stories in AI, a podcast where we explore the various facets of technologies like AI, its impact on individuals, organizations, and the society. You will hear from a variety of experts and practitioners, their personal stories, their best practices, and advice to put technology to work. I hope you enjoy this engaging conversations. Now, before we begin, a note about our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Experian, whom you may know as the Consumer Credit Bureau, but they are at heart a data company. When you're buying a car or home, sending your kids to college, or borrowing to grow your business, Experian is most likely helping you behind the scenes. They unlock the power of data to make better decisions, get access to financial services, and to prevent crime, unlocking a whole world of opportunities for individuals and organizations. Find out more at Experian.com. Today I speak with the amazing Sandy Carter, Sandy is a senior vice president at Unstoppable Domains, responsible for driving partnerships for blockchain-based identity platforms for the Web3 revolution. Previously, Sandy was a vice president at AWS, and she was responsible there for driving next-generation partnering in cloud machine learning and blockchain technologies. Sandy is also the chairman of the board of Girls in Tech, an adjunct professor at the CMU Silicon Valley. She's the founder of the woman of Web3, she's top 100 chief tech leader, Federal 100, Fortune most powerful woman, CNN top 100 in technology, the verdict's top 10 AI and cloud computing influencer. And this year in 2022, she is one of the keynotes, one of the featured keynotes at South by Southwest 2022. Sandy is amazing. She brings a plethora of experience and expertise and having worked through the Web 1.0, Web 2.0 revolutions, she just moved from a Web 2.0 company, Amazon, to be at Unstoppable Domains to focus exclusively on Web 3.0. We talked about the ins and outs of Web 3.0. We talked about how should organizations prepare themselves for this upcoming revolution led by blockchain and Web 3.0. Take a listen. It's an amazing conversation. Sandy, welcome to Stories in AI. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for taking the time. This has been, I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite a while, and you're really making the waves right now with all the Web3 stuff happening. So before we dive into all of yep. that, uh, you know, why don't you start with your uh, personal journey? Talk, talk to us about your journey. You have had such an accomplished career. And I can't wait for the audience to hear all about it. Well, thank you. I don't know if it's that accomplished, but it's been quite interesting. Let me just say that. Um, so I, um, I have been recently working 
in uh, the tech field for quite some time. I actually started at Ganesh, we talked about, I started back in um, the Web 1.0 days with commerce, where we actually uh, took a, a commercial from a that was on TV and they routed everybody to web commerce and it broke the internet for a while, which was kind of cool. Uh, and then I entered web 2.0 and I became the social business evangelist and leader for IBM and really helped to create that web 2.0 connection and universe that existed there. And then went to Amazon web services and continued that mission with obviously cloud and artificial intelligence and IOT so it's been a really interesting journey. I mean, every company I've worked for has been just a fabulous um, leader company at their time, at their stage and their time of that journey. And uh, most recently, I've taken a role with Unstoppable Domains, which is now entering into Web3. Now, I played around with Web3 a little bit, actually, believe it or not, in my IBM days with blockchain and then with Amazon Web Services with blockchain. But now it's really become much more embedded into who I am. I started doing all these side projects uh, and was just fascinated by what could be with Web3. And so here we are today. I am SVP and Channel Chief for Unstoppable Domains. That is awesome. Web1, you broke Web1, almost brought down Web1 or actually yep. did then help you know develop the web 2 ecosystem through two of the biggest names in the inter in, on, in web 2 and now you're at unstoppable domains you know so that's amazing in web 3 so break it down for everybody what is web 3 and why is it relevant right now well i like to dis describe it this way so web 1 it was read only so when we were doing web 1 it was really about you reading the online news Web 2 became read, write, or re and communicate because you were leveraging social media to communicate the value that you were going to bring. But Web 3 takes it not only from read, write, but to own. It's really an ownership economy where the user now takes back control, if you would. So if you think about it, all those platforms extract value from users, right? So their job has been, let me attract the user and then I extract value from their data. Um, so let's just take a simple example. I joined uh, Twitter very early on. Uh, I've been a member since 2008, believe it or not. And today's valuation of Twitter is, I don't know, 28, $29 billion. Now I did get value from Twitter for networking and connection but Twitter got the financial value, that $28 billion worth of value. And Web3 says, well, if you're the user or you're really a member, then the value that you should get should be part financial. It should not be just the social networking, the connection. And so if you think about it, the whole value point of Web3 is that the user owns their own data they decide when to give up that data, when to sell the data, how to use the data, how to protect the data. And I think that's probably the biggest difference in Web3. And there's lots of technologies that make that possible, but that's kind of the simple way that I like to describe it. Awesome. No, you know, I have a, you know, more a philosophical argument on that, right? That it's embedded, which is like, look, Web3 is about an ownership economy. It's about making sure that the user themselves can participate 
in the capital accumulation, the valuation, or the, the financial incentive, right? If you look at every other walks of life and how philosophy, human philosophy evolved, if you will, we always come back to, you know, everybody makes a lot of money and then looks back and says, look, money is not everything, right? So are we, is that the, is, is that the right incentive or is it more like an option that everybody has the, now the opportunity and the option to make financial gains out of their own data, yeah. right? Uh, that's one part of it. So, uh, um, uh, you know, go ahead and answer that. And I have more a tactical or a technical yeah. uh, question okay. around that. Too. Well, it's not just about financial gains uh, always or ever. I mean, think about it today. Like, um, I'll give you a couple of challenges that I have. Uh, my daughter took some classes at a community college, and uh, I want her to be mm -hmm. able to apply those credits to her university college. Um, the steps I had to take to get that information that's really mine, right, or my daughter's, that she took the class, that she passed the class, yeah. that she now has this skill set. But it, the data, the information was actually owned by the university. And it took me a long time to be able to get that data to transfer it to a university. What if in Web3, that identity of the, my skill sets and what I'm doing belong to me? Um, right? That would be another. Sure. And then another great one is, you know, think about healthcare data. Um, I recently moved from Seattle, Washington to Arizona, hence my cactus in the background. And so, and now getting that data, that healthcare data, which is about me, uh, to me has been extremely hard too. multiple calls, multiple, you know, oh, I can't give it to you. I have to give it to the next doctor. We can't give my data to me. It's kind of interesting, right? So it's not just about, yep. um, it's not just about monetizing the data for you. That is a part of it, but it's also about who really owns that data, who really should own that data. And how do I keep it with me? And how do I keep it protected uh, for me? No, it's interesting. You know, also, I mean, you, you, there is the VCs versus the uh, Web3 and developers and VCs versus Jack Dorsey and Aaron Levy argument going all over the internet about this, right? Why can't Web2 technologies really enable that? Because and that's, you know, I want to get into that. But even on the at a technical level, you said, storing the data, protecting the data, securing that data. Now, both of us have been in technology businesses for, for a while now, right? And we understand it. We have probably have the skill sets or the uh, ecosystem to help us with that skill set. Is that the, I mean, so, but can you expect the average citizen to actually be, if you hand them the keys and say, okay, go, you know, store your data, protect your data and secure the data, or is that going to be any, you know, is that going to help them? Because, you know, securing compared to the Fort Knox that, you know, a, a Fortune 500 companies are securing your data versus an individual doing it, right? Explore that a little bit for me. Or is it just a Yeah, I mean, timing I thing? would say, um, I would say right now it's a timing thing. And I would also say that right now, you know, well, let me back up. I think there are five basic assumptions that you're kind of going into about Web3. Um, one is that it's decentralized. Uh, two, there is a digital identity, which I talked about. Three, that it's built on yep. blockchain. Four, that it's trustless. And five, that, that it financially benefits the user. So if I talk about decentralization today and where we are today, today, 
Web3 is actually dependent on Web1 companies and Web2 platforms today. So think about Twitter, think about Discord, yep. think about OpenSea. I mean, we're dependent on those platforms, which are built on Amazon Cloud, Google Cloud. Um, and so today we're building on top of prior technologies and prior knowledge and I think that's okay for where we are right now. I think it's decentralized partially today. Um, and so I don't think there's, I don't think this battle of, you know, web two versus web three, um, right now it's both. I think the premise is um, how do you really drive the value and the value for the user or for the member? In fact, Web3, they call them members, not users, because as a member, you're, you know, you're transformed there. So, you know, for me, there's a lot. I, I we just did a Twitter spaces with a bunch of enterprise customers and they're like, well, Sandy, one of the premises of Web3 is that you have to use a blockchain. Well, why couldn't we do this with Web2 technology? Well, today, Web Web um, three blockchain has transparency built in. Right. That's why you have the blocks. It's transparent. Um, ownership is in the hands of the participants or the uh, the members, not Member. necessarily the users. Yeah. Um, decision making offer is the hands of those members as well, right? Using tokens, so there are some projects that allow them to vote. Yep. Um, and then assets can be quickly liquidated and change in value, and those tokens are programmable. So um, for me, you know. Um, the argument about what technology could you use or how do you use it is interesting, but there are requirements that have to occur in order for the basic premises of the Web3 mantra to take place or belief system to take place. No, I, you know, actually, I, I totally agree with you because I think one of the things most folks, when you get, take the religious sites and have those arguments saying, hey, it has to be all Web3, all the five elements of that capabilities that you mentioned should be in there to be considered, doesn't really matter, to be honest with you, right? This is a technology continuum. There has been innovations that have happened over the past, you know, 100 decades, right? Or, and then how do you actually build on that? But then it provides a compelling vision to how the future world can be and could be that is a lot more equitable, a lot more opportunistic for everybody. And, and that is the big idea. And so I, you know, personally, I'm a huge believer and I've been, uh, in that space, in and out for the last, and along with my AI stuff for the last, uh, since 2016, 2017 too. So pretty exciting. So, um, you know, one of the one of the most talked about stuff around this is definitely the creator economy, or like, as you said, the ownership of the creation that you do, right? Uh, and the NFTs, you know, non-fungible tokens. And explore that a little bit for me. How does that fit into this entire ecosystem? Why is that relevant? Well, I, I think there's a lot of relevancy in this because as you are building or collecting, um, I think the the you know part of the key takeaway is that you should participate in that as well. And today, you know, think about it. Um, that exists in in the real world too, right? IRL. It, it can it can. It's here today. So today you might yeah. collect, I don't know, you might be a Beanie Baby collector or a, a, you know, a baseball card collector. I don't know what you collect, but today, you know, um, you collect things today. And um, I think part of the 
the interest is how do you know that what you collected was real? You can be scammed as well in the real world, just as you can in other places. Um, and then, you know, people are like, well, an NFT is just a digital picture. I can take a picture of that or I can copy Sandy, your profile picture. And then I have that as well. Well, you could do the same thing like in a gallery, right? You could go to the Louvre and take a picture of it, but you don't own it. You have a picture of it and you can enjoy it. So owning art is not about sure. keeping others from enjoying it. It's about proof of ownership. And so I believe that, you know, part of part of Web3 is about, um, you know, art, media. In fact, I think that's where we are today and kind of the continuum. You mentioned the continuum of where you are today. I think that that's where we are today, which is just testing out kind of this collectibles notion or this art notion uh, of where we are today and, and looking at the value that it could, uh, could uh, trans transpire. I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's kind of where I see this today. A lot of people question, well, what are you doing? I can just take a picture of it, but you can do that today in the real world too. It's really now about yeah. sharing in that. So if you think about music, or even an NFT picture, you know, I have some NFTs that I purchased that when I benefit from the sale of that or from producing a t-shirt on that, the artist continues to benefit as well. And others, I buy it and then it's mine. I can sell my own t-shirt with that NFT art in it. And so those are just kind of the business models no, that I see today. Yep. No, it's so, it's so true. I think, in fact, one of the things that like the, the fifth element that you mentioned when you talk about Web3, all the criteria that makes something Web3 uh, around the financial incentive or the financial uh, in, you know, inclusion in that particular journey. Uh, I, you know, grew up Southern India and, and I always like to say, right, you know, very, you know, I grew up poor, but I was, I'm a product of my opportunities handed to me, right? More than anything, like even artists around the world today, and then it could be any kind of digital creation that you do beyond just art and uh, pictures and so forth. Uh, you can really, this really opens up the opportunity pool to make sure it's authentically yours. And then, then you can actually also get the, the rights to benefit from it when it goes on, right? So to me, NFTs signal that bigger opportunity for almost anything when you go from the physical world to the real world. I mean, there is um, a gentleman here in Austin called Pete Rex, and he moved from Seattle. Uh, he started this Rex group of companies focused on real estate tech. And he talks about this whole notion of thing. I think houses will be, you know, on a blockchain, you know, the, the house records and stuff like that. But even ownership and your title is a great opportunity for actually turning it into an okay. NFT because it can only be, only be one house in one location in one place. So, and then that way that eliminates a lot of challenges in terms of like the fight for ownership and things like that, that you have to go through people and centralized organizations and so forth. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, I think it NFTs to me op offers a bigger opportunity than what you immediately is in front of us. So, um, Enter the metaverse, right? So now we were like, there's a lot of buzz around it, a lot of hype around it. Thank you, Zuckerberg, for making sure three and a half billion people now know about it. Um, how do how do you describe it? How do you how does all of this play in? How does Web three come into effect into enabling a metaverse? Um, explore that for me a little bit more. Yeah. So let me uh, let me see if I can break this down um, first. So let's just talk about um, for a second, what is the metaverse? So 
A metaverse is really an online digital environment and avatars or people could inhabit it digitally. And it's really built on virtual reality, augmented reality, gaming, mobile, and computers. So there's a lot behind it. So essentially it's a new digital environment for you. In fact, um, we were just working with Atlantis and the Atlantis uh, metaverse, which is a uh, a metaverse that's built on um, like Aquaman and, and that sort of thing, enabling you to yeah. experiment with so many different things. Um, and people get confused often about, okay, well, metaverse, now you're talking about metaverse, talking about Web3, what's really going on? Um, but this is kind of how I see it. Um, we're really creating this two-sided market, right? There's this creator market that we just talked about. And then the, there is these digital yep. networks, right? Multiple-sided consumption models. And um, in the middle yep. is this stack of what I call technology and other things. So at the very bottom, I see Web3, this decentralization we talked about, data sovereignty that we talked about. Enabling that yep. is the yep. blockchain. And in some cases, trust and crypto, right? That trusted private secure yep. area. And then sitting on top of that, I just listened to a great session last night on um, DIOs, right? These decentralized governance models that exist that are in a lot of times AI driven. And then on top of that is the metaverse. So I think the metaverse actually depends upon Web3, crypto, blockchain, the DIOs that exist out there in the marketplace. And that digital experience and that digital world needs and requires all of those pieces. So they're all linked together and they're all needed as you go forward. And that then also, you know, creates kind of some of the new technologies of Web3 that we just talked about in our um, in our our debate earlier. Got it. No, it's actually interesting. And I think of this as, um, you know, the, the metaverse is also why it's relevant more so because now people are spending more time online than they were spending offline. I mean, thank you. Um, COVID. Um, coronavirus in the last yeah. few years. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I think, right, so it kind of creates this need, if you will, to actually put a little bit more structure to the interactions that you have. And part of that is, as you said, you called out a lot of different layers, right? The trust layer, how do you actually have transactions in a trusted fashion? Hence the blockchain and enabling something like that. How do you have governance without being uh, impeded by corrupt organizations in the middle so DAOs come into play, right? How do you actually have, you know, you trust software versus thing. Overall to me, and tell me if you agree or disagree, uh, Sandy, this, this is a, there is a transition of trust from individuals and people to software and engineering and code, if you will, right? The Uber movement that is happening. Um, that, that, you know, to me, it, the core of what is happening right now is people are losing, you know, they're mistrusting centralized organizations, governments. That's the movement happening all over the world, right? And we have, because humans alone and collective humans alone cannot scale without the assistance of machines and algorithms and, and code, if you will. Is that a broader movement? Do you see, this, see it the same way? Is that a transition of trust from groups of individuals to systems and processes and code, if you will? You know, I think some of it is a movement, but I don't see it moving to a system. So, you know, today, let's just take a normal transaction. Let's see if this might help us. You know, if I'm going to sure. um, make, let's say, make a mortgage payment, 
Um, then typically I have yep. to go to a bank to do that mortgage payment. And the bank then relies on obviously systems and computers and that sort of thing. But I do have that central organization, yep. the bank that's there. If I think about that same transaction in a Web3 world, I would take that money to a blockchain where it would be transparent, um, transparently yep. viewed. I wouldn't have to... It would be all public, right? It would be immutable. So it couldn't be changed. No one could try to cheat me out of something. It would be decentralized because there would be no central controller and it would be running 24 by seven because it was dependent on code. But I think in some part, there's some piece of that trust that says, you know what? I trust myself as the best person to manage my data than a central entity that I really don't know. Um, and so that's kind of how I see it. It's almost like, you know, your career, right? In the past, people would say, you know, work with your manager. They're going to help you with your career. But today they're like, no one else is going to manage your career but you. And I see Web3 almost being like that too, right? Who better to manage your data than you and leveraging the technology? But the technology has this transparency about it. It's not hidden. So I don't yep. see it as a black box. Like, you know, when, when I hear technology, I think about a black box. It's not a black box. It's a transparency that I think is really changing with trust. No, I agree. I think, you know, it's it's kind of creates that, you know, the, the tools and the technology provides a collaborative ecosystem to enable that, right? Like things like blockchain, the transparent nature and so forth. But fundamentally, I think it's also the fact that centralized systems you know there's the whole world has gone through centralization decentralization back from you know web one web two right uh so one of the things that uh, i always wonder is like is this just another move like you you go now you're like way too centralized as a universe today that we need the decentralization to keep up with the scale of people of ideas and explosion of talent and everything but then there'll be a point where it'll be it'll be a complete Yahoo land and we'll have to come back to a centralized structure or somewhere in the middle <laughs> to, go, to, you, to make you this may happen. Be right. Right? You may be right. You know, I, I and that's why I like today's model where we are, we're, we're Web 3, but we're using Web 2. So we're kind of there right now, right? Mm. We really are. Um, we're not completely decentralized. We're still dependent upon Web2 technologies, which is why I love all the discussions and the Twitter spaces and debating it because um, I think we're debating theory, right? It's either all Web2 or all Web3. I think we're debating that theory versus what the reality is today. That's so true. And, and I, like, I, I spent a long time with Dell in my career. And if Michael Dell would, would be listening to this conversation, he'll talk about it saying, 10 years ago, I told you the world is not going to be cloud or on-premises, right? It's going to be a hybrid world. And, and we're all, everybody's not coming onto it. Same, same here. So, you know, I want to talk about, ask you about uh, unstoppable domains and the role domains have in this whole thing. And you mentioned identity, you mentioned, you, you, you touched upon a lot of things. Talk to me about what is the transformation that's happening at Unstoppable Domains and why is why are domains the, the maybe the gateway to the metaverse, if you will? Yeah, I mean, um, so I find domains to be an easy entry point um, into the whole Web3, you know, the bigger, the bigger view, right? Because with a domain, you can send and receive crypto with a human readable name, not like this 
I don't know if you've ever done it before, if you're listening or watching us, but it's a, it's a long series of letters and numbers and you can make a mistake. There's so many articles about it, but the domain enables you to send and receive crypto with that human readable name. But in addition, it also serves as a username for you on Web3. You'll see a lot of people say, you know, I'm Sandy.NFT or I'm, you know, Matt.Crypto. It also serves as a username and a place eventually for you to host a decentralized website. Um, So a website that's built on all this technology. Uh, But in addition, what it's doing right now is, is it's also enabling login to some of these things we've been talking about. So for example, using your domain name, you can log into the Atlantis metaverse. You can use that same domain name to log into Cook Financial. So that that concept of your identity travels with you is becoming a reality very slowly. I'm not saying we're all there yet, but very slowly, right? Because the vision is that eventually you could enter any metaverse, any game with the same domain name and not have to switch it out. In fact, I tell a lot of my friends, you know, they complain, oh my gosh, I'm I'm a premium user on LinkedIn, but I enter Facebook and I've got no clout or I enter Instagram and I've got no clout. Well, why is that? Well, that's because the information about you is owned by LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or, um, you know, Twitter, any other social platform out there. So your identity doesn't travel with you. But here you can already see the use cases. Your, Your domain name is traveling with you to the metaverse, to a game, to your bank. Uh, and so that enables yep. you to then you're owning your identity and your identity, you're, you're immutable. It doesn't change. Your identity is your identity. And I love that, right? I'd love to take the cloud I have today on LinkedIn and move it over to other social platforms, but I can't do that today. I, I totally agree. I think, you know, it's, uh, I think it was uh, 1729.com, Balaji Srinivasan's uh, blog and, and, and his initiative. And he talks about this notion of, you know, uh, work will be all micro work will be, you can easily break down a large piece of work into little tasks and stuff like that. And uh, credentialing will be a thing of the past because it's going to be social proof than credential, proof of work, proof of uh, talent, proof of capability. And then you mix the two together. Now you just opened up the entire universe for anybody to do anything sitting anywhere, right? And then just, and then domains create that particular thing. I'm also hoping that in the process, we also eliminate passwords because I am <laughs> done with all the different combinations yeah. I can have with my password I've been using for 20 years. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, yeah, um, in fact, I just, yeah, read, an hopefully art- I just read an article on that that said, uh, on average, people have 100 passwords. I actually had to get a password safe and I counted mine the other day. I have 527 passwords. So imagine the next world where we can use, I can use sandy.nft and I can use that everywhere. That would be brilliant, right? I think that would be brilliant anyway. And make it make brilliant. it much easier. Ma- make it much so. easier. As long as it's secure. I I love that concept, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's uh it definitely. I think, you know, like it, it's it's um there's so many opportunity when I look at the intersection of this and AI, for example, right? Being being able to use your face as an ID and your human readable domain as the interface or the the username if you will right to get into any any part of the metaverse so there's there's so much opportunities here um explore a little bit on the ai and web3 kind of an intersection what do you see there is it uh, 
you know, the trust layer, the DAO layer that you talked about? I mean, where, where do you see those intersections with AI? Definitely the DAO layer for sure. But I think that AI, I mean, you know, I'm a big AI fan. Um, I've been with AI for quite some yes. time. So I really think that AI could be used on all of this because if you think about it, all of this is built on data, right? So if you think about one of the cornerstones of Web3 is data, right? All that digital data information about you. So imagine if I could use artificial intelligence, if you grant me permission to get your data, let's say that I am a, a merchant and I sell a new home goods. And if I could get your data, then I might give you, you know, a $150 card to buy something because you've been in your home, you're established in Austin, whereas I just moved, they may give me a $1,500 card because now they have some of that information that's been mined and leveraged by artificial intelligence. So I sure. see anywhere there's data and there will be lots of data here for um, you know the metaverse and for Web3. I think anytime there's data, it's a perfect use case for um, what we have going on with uh, artificial intelligence because you need all that data all that data feeds right people call it oil or soil everything grows from that data and i really find that yeah. that data will be a big driver and if you think about the use cases for the metaverse right connecting virtual worlds um, having a, a synchronous you know view or massively scaling in order to do either the work applications that will exist in the metaverse or the play applications or the socialization or the transaction, I think that artificial intelligence will be involved in each and every one of those use cases. I, I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. Now, if you're a traditional organization and a lot of the audience is, you know, uh, several executives in large organizations and you've been in, in your, you, you know, most of you, most of them will complain that, hey, I just started my cloud journey or I just started my AI journey. Now I'm looking at Web3. How should I, how should they think about this moment in history right now, right? Where all this thing is happening, blockchain, it's still very early, but there's a lot of momentum. Always look at developer movement, developer motivation as a huge, um, you know, early indicator on how the market's going to evolve, right? And you can see that in Web3, like almost every single uh, really smart, super smart AI developer, machine learning engineer, I know, drop their AI work and they're moving into yeah. crypto, right? They're like, I'm going to go do yeah. Web3. Right? Yeah. How should traditional organizations and leaders think about this moment in history and what should they do to prepare? Well, I would say the first thing they need to do is just learn and be curious, like listening to your podcast, you know, to understand a little bit more about it. Because, um, you know, if you've got to take time to... Um, understand what's going on. I know learn and be curious is an Amazon leadership principle, but I love the Amazon leadership principles. You need to take time to figure out the people that you're actually going to listen to because there's so much fun out there right now. Find spaces that deliver, you know, really high quality, open conversations where you feel comfortable to ask questions. Like this weekend, we did a Twitter spaces. We had 10,000 people on the Twitter space asking questions about Web3. And we said, look, there's no question that's too dumb, that's too simple. We may not have all the answers, but that would be, you know, that would be something that you'd want to do. And then I would say start reading and learning. There are some great podcasts. There are some great essays. Um, there are amazing articles out there 
you know, I took a class with a MIT on Web3. It's just like a basic beginner um, business journey. And then I would say play, play with it, play with it as a consumer, um, get a wallet, buy some crypto. It doesn't mean you have to invest your whole life savings in it. Buy some crypto, get a domain, maybe buy, you know, an NFT piece of artwork or experiment with one of the, um, you know, maybe with one of the metaverses or the games. And then I would say, yeah. get, get skin in the game, basically. I'm sorry. Get skin in the game. Yeah. Get your skin and in do the it. Game. Do it. Per, yeah. I would say do it personally first, and then look at some of the use cases that exist out there for the business, and really explore those. So, for example, um, there's a lot of decentralized finance applications out there. People who are pooling money to make loans where anyone in the world could participate. Um, and, you know, see what those are about, you know, go take a look at Cook Finance. What are they doing? How are they using it? Or, you know, look at in-game economics. You know, if you've ever played a video game, you'll see some of the in-game currency. How is that playing out? You know, what if the money was real? What would you, what would you think there? So I think that if Got you it. start playing around with it and then join the conversations, I think you'll start to feel more comfortable and know where you're going to go. We don't know. And the playbook's not been written here. So we don't know all of the use cases that will exist. We know some that are starting, but I mean, the world is your oyster. It's the time to innovate is now really. That is awesome. Can you explore some more of those business use cases with within Web3? I love, is DeFi the right place to start? Should you start thinking about, I love the in-game economics or just in general, how do you use tokenization to create reward systems and stuff? Like, you know, what are what are some, if, you know, if I'm a business leader looking at, you know, talking to you and like, what are the two or three use cases I should go explore uh, right away? Yeah, well, um, you know, the ones that I had down were DeFi to make sure that you understood that, in-game economics, which I think are really important. I would also look at some of the governance experiments that are out there too, right? Where governance gives you access to a voting right and the DAOs. Um, I think that those are really yeah. interesting and fascinating to look at how they're coming alive today and what the implications may be. Um, you know, last night I was listening to one on DAOs replacing SPACs in 2022. You know, what would be the implications of that? Um, anyway, I think that's another really interesting one. Olympus is building a community-owned DAO based on financial um, infrastructures and reserve current currency. There's some fascinating things out there. And then, and bank, then, bank yeah. And then I would look at some of the use cases with um, with the creators as well, because every company creates IP. Um, and so I think the changes for business owners will be maybe larger than the magnitude of how mobile or the internet itself changed the way businesses worked. If you think about that ownership, right? I think it's a, a space that's worth paying attention to. Um, and what's happening today with NFTs, how they're building art communities and music communities. I think that could be another fascinating one. How will that impact open source, right? Well, now and, and the ability to leverage a piece of code could that be done as a creator where any company who uses or leverages it? I don't know. There's so many use cases, but those would be the top five that I would yeah. suggest. That is awesome. No, I, I love the, uh, the, 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 the governance side. I've been actually involved with Olympus as well as the, oh, you uh, have. I didn't uh, know that. Uh, 
Bangladesh now. Really? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think I've been playing around with this too. It's actually, you know, it's one of the things I realized is like on the DAO side, I don't I forgot who said this, but this is always, the, I, I try to get these, uh, the mix up with some philosophical arguments in the back layer, right? So one of that is the fact that the demo democracy, a classic democracy awarding system is the worst system of governance, except that's better than every other system, right? Just <laughs> the way that as they publicly say it. So I always wonder, right, is the, the whole, there's a lot more intelligence and context that is now, that needs to be driven into the classic DAO structure, which is purely by voting, right? And then, and I, I, there are some amazing experiments that Olympus is doing, which is like things like, how do you actually create different, kind of like your shareholder votes, different classes of votes, different roles within the DAO, right? Uh, I explored earlier this, earlier last year, um, building a company for data labeling, right? Crowdsource data labeling, but use DAOs as a way for organizations to, you know, uh, put in their projects, submit their projects, but then create a community where you have voting members, you have, uh, you know, participants, you have uh, checkers and so forth. So it's fascinating. And I love the, the creator co-creation. Fundamentally, I believe that every product company out there has to really start exploring how do you co-create with your users and customers, right? And Web3 provides an amazing opportunity. To yeah. This is, this yeah. is fascinating, and, you know, uh, this, Sandy. This has been amazing. And I think, I, think um, I really applaud you for doing this uh, podcast on it because, you know, I'll post something on LinkedIn and people will ping me um, and they'll say, am I a dinosaur? Like, what is a DAO? Um, am I a dinosaur? What is an NFT? <laughs> and I think everybody needs to learn right now to see what's going to apply and help to create those next use cases. And again, it's not Web2 versus Web3. It's Web 2 and Web 3, at least for right now. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to look at it versus this huge competition that it doesn't have to be. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I, I think uh, to your point on, um, and you men made the comment, I, I, earlier, I think early last week, I published like a 2022 late predictions for 2022. And basically the SPA DAOs will be the new SPACs is one of the items yeah. I put in. <laughs> you know, it's actually very yeah. true. Um, and then I, I do believe, Sandy, to your point, right, the world is going to be, we're moving towards radical decentralization in everything, every system, every interaction that we're having, and the radical automation powered by intelligent automation like AI and so forth. So um, like your, love your advice to lead business leaders, um, get engaged, learn, you know, get and get your skin in the game personally, and then pick projects that you can actually go experiment with, right? And that's the, that's a big call to action. This is awesome. I have a few more quick questions and then Sandy, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for spending the time. Um, what are your predictions for 2022 in this world? What do, what can we expect? There's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts here, right? Give me your top three to five, what you're thinking of. Well, um, I think there are a couple. One, which is really close to my heart, is that I think that women and diverse groups will actually emerge really strong and do more and have more influence than in Web 1 and Web 2. You're already seeing it in Amazing. NFT communities like Boss Beauties, Women Rise. Um, I think that women, if they're going to jump in early, which they are, I think will influence and impact the technology direction, the direction that we're headed in governance. And I think that will be incredible because I do believe that innovation is born of diversity. So I think that that will be uh, awesome. 
Um, the second is I do think that Web3 identity is the gateway to the metaverse. So I do think digital identity, that's why I'm here at Unstoppable, because they were such a leader in digital identity. And I do believe that um, Web3 identity or that digital identity will become the gateway to the universe, metaverse and more. So those are two that I feel really strongly about. I also think that um, where we are today, I was spending this weekend uh, trying to do a couple of, of things. And oh, my gosh, ease of use and UX are very lacking today in Web3. So I think they're going to become more important. And I think that until we have the right UX and the right ease of use. So if you're a designer, this is the place to come. You're going to have an amazing opportunity here. Uh, and then my fourth one would be infrastructure for the creator economy will be reimagined. And it has to be reimagined based on Web3 in terms of payroll, benefits, culture. You can think of a whole whole more set. Yeah. So I do. Uh, I also published my 2022 pr predictions as well. And those were just some of the top ones that I had as well. That is awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes for everybody to actually get a, uh, get a hold of. And my last question to you, more a personal question, Sandy. Uh, share one of your personal practices that, you know, uh, has really helped you to be on top of your game. Oh, wow. There's so many. Um, one, I would say that I think is really important, which is to also be in the real world. Um, we can be so attached to our phone, so into the NFT galleries, into gaming, metaverse. You can get just lost in it. And I do think it's important that you learn, but there is a real world out here. So make sure that you spend time with your family. We do uh, every Sunday night, we have digital devices down um, and we have a movie night. We just sit wow. and chat. We have, we make different kinds of popcorn and just interact. We exercise, we get outside before our movie night. I think it's really important that you take care of yourself. And I think that means as well, getting away for some of those digital um, devices as well. That is awesome. No, that's great piece of advice. I'm going to try to do that like one of these days, you know, try to do no devices day. We'll see. I, I, I try to do it like a, a few times a year, just do like a couple of days in a uh, like back to back and definitely helps a lot. But love the idea of including that with fun and family and entertainment. And that's amazing. Sandy, this had been a blast. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for jumping on. Um, Thank you for having me. And any, any, any no, questions? no. Thank you for having me. And um, if anybody wants more information, I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. So if you do have other questions, please reach out. I'm more than happy uh, to help as well to address those. And if I could, I don't know when this is going live, but on International Women's Day on March 8th, we're going to do a 24-hour okay. Twitter space. So we're going to have a different topic each hour for a solid 24 hours. Wow. We're dedicating that Twitter space to women and diversity, but anybody can join in. And um, like I said, each hour will be something that you must know about, like what is a DAO? What is blockchain? How do I write a Web3 app? Or, you know, simple community things, or how do I get mentoring on it? It will be a must-see oh event. So I'll give you that schedule as well. Perfect. No, that's amazing. I'll definitely put that in the thing and we'll promote it before that. And we'll make sure that uh, everybody, this audience also gets the opportunity to join those spaces. Sandy, thanks so much for jumping on. It was Thank a blast. you so much. I'll, I'll see you soon. See ya. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. 
If you did, I encourage you to do three things. Number one, share with your friends and family. If someone else can learn from this, get inspired and take action, they need to. Number two, subscribe so you do not miss a single episode. You can do it at your favorite podcast location or at youtube.com. Number three, let me know if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for me or my guests. And check out storiesinai.com to access show notes and more resources. Thank you for listening. See you next time.